0: What is net neutrality? Why does it matter? And what role does the FCC play in all of this? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. For today's lesson, we're going to do a little rewind on a topic that has quite literally taken the internet by storm, net neutrality. In 2015, the Federal Communications Commission passed a net neutrality order which prevented the blocking or the prioritization of any internet traffic. Then two years later, in 2017, the FCC dropped that order, essentially allowing broadband providers the ability to block or slow down content as they see fit. So what is the status of net neutrality today? What are the arguments for or against net neutrality? And how does net neutrality impact our internet consumption? Well, here to talk me through all of this and more is professor in chair of the Communication Studies Division at American University's School of Communication, Dr. Aram Sinreich. Dr. Sinreich, thanks so much for joining me on Getting Schooled. How's it going? My pleasure. Uh, It's going great. Thanks. How are you Um, so far? So good. Thank you for asking. You know, we're here, obviously, to talk about net neutrality, something we learn about in high school and, and we've talked about throughout the years because it affects anyone who is on the Internet, right? I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Something happened in 2015 and then 2017. Now we're here in 2022 doing a podcast about what the heck is going on. So let's start from the beginning what exactly is net neutrality
1: well it's it's on the one hand it's it's super simple and on the other hand it's super complex so Mm -hmm. let's start with the super simple part Um, net neutrality is basically the idea that an isp an internet service provider should not look at the internet traffic that is going on its network and kind of pick and choose what what gets to go slowly and what gets to go quickly that it should treat all of the traffic equally Uh, as a way of making sure that all of the people who are connected get to be treated equally as well.
0: Right. So what's the what's the what's the other side of it?
1: Well, the other side of it is that net neutrality from a a kind of legal and political standpoint is like a whole giant hornet's nest (laughs) full of complicated ins and outs and and competing interests and uh, incomplete and confusing policies. And uh, everybody's been in a tizzy about it for the better part of the last 20
0: years. (laughs) That is right. And that is why we are doing this podcast. So let's break that down further. What is the basic argument in favor of net neutrality regulation? And what's the argument against it?
1: Okay, so the basic argument in favor is that like other forms of utilities uh the internet works better if everybody is on the same playing field so if for instance i have like a uh a samsung phone if i could only plug it into a samsung outlet in my house to charge it that would really suck that would make my (laughs) life really difficult um so i should be able to plug all of my electrical appliances into the same outlet and they should all get electricity uh and if i want to make a call to you and you're on an iPhone and I'm on an Android phone, uh, that shouldn't be hard either. Like, I should be able to call anybody regardless of what phone carrier or what, what kind of phone they have. So that principle is called common carriage. And the net neutrality is a, is a flavor of common carriage. And the basic argument is that if we let ISPs pick and choose whose data gets to travel along their networks and who doesn't, well, they're going to have kind of a, an economic incentive and even a responsibility to choose uh, their own content over other people's content uh, and political opinions that they're friendly with over ones that they're not, uh, and people who pay them an extra fee over people who don't. And none of those things are good for society. And ultimately, the only person who benefits is the you know the, the shareholder at the ISP. Um, the argument against net neutrality is that uh, ISPs are private businesses uh, and private businesses should be able to uh, to do whatever they want without the federal government coming in and telling them what the rules are that they have to play by uh, and that they've done just, you know, for, for most of American history, there has not been a net neutrality principle in place. Uh, and the ISPs have done a perfectly fine job creating the broadband internet without it. So why would they need it?
0: Okay, so where are we today? Because actually, let's let's do this. What happened in 2015? And then what happened in 2017? And where are we today?
1: Okay, so up until 2015, there were no rules one way or the other about uh, net neutrality. But it was generally assumed because the internet kind of began as a as a network that piggybacked on the phone lines and because the phone lines had common carriage it was kind of assumed that the internet had net neutrality um now in more and more as the internet became a big business the isps started to resist that and say you know we'd rather charge extra money to people who want to get their information through quickly uh, and put everybody else in the slow lane and so the fcc the federal communications commission Uh, which is the part of the federal government that's in charge of of all of our communications networks, uh, officially made it a rule that ISPs have to follow net neutrality. And they did so using um, a uh, a, a section of the law that was kind of a little bit vague about what kinds of powers that they had, Um, but because it had been written back in the 90s and the internet had changed a lot over the previous 20 years. Um, so as soon as uh, Obama stepped down and Trump stepped up, there was new leadership at the FCC, and that leadership in 2017 basically reversed uh, the 2015 decision and said, we are no longer enforcing a net neutrality rule. ISPs can do whatever they want, uh, and they should, they should do whatever makes the most sense uh, to have maximum profit.
0: And what, what um, influenced that decision?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask, right? These these kinds of decisions have consequences that affect economics, consequences that affect culture, consequences that affect politics, and when a president and presidential appointees make these kinds of decisions, all of those considerations go into the decision-making process. So, uh, on the, the the simplest answer was that on the face of it. Um, the Trump White House was less interested in having the federal government tell businesses what to do than the Obama White House was. But also the Trump White House was less interested in making sure that everybody got to participate in an even playing field than the Obama White House was. So it's one of these situations where depending on what somebody's opinions are, they'll give you the answer in in a kind of very different framework.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, so that's where we are today. I mean, that's, we, we do not have net neutrality today. That's why we can see when we Google something, some, some, um, some things pop up first. Is that why we can have advertisements, things like that?
1: Well, okay. So it's, it's, so that's two different questions. I'll deal with them one at a time. Um, so the FCC is currently uh, kind of a dysfunctional institution. And that's because uh, it has four commissioners on it right now, two of whom are Democratic appointees and two of whom are Republican appointees. So they can't agree on anything. Um, when President Biden got into office, uh, he appointed a new commissioner. There are supposed to be five people. Uh, and uh, her name is Gigi Sohn. And she's somebody who has been very publicly pro net neutrality over the years. And as it turns out, the Senate has had a very, has been very slow in confirming Gigi Son to the position on the FCC, which is a surprise because normally the Senate doesn't hold up these kinds of decisions, but everything in Washington is kind of gridlocked uh, and has been for most of the last decade. Um, so, So right now the FCC doesn't have the power to change its mind. Uh, Despite the fact that President Biden has said that he would like it to reinstate net neutrality. So we are kind of still in this position that we've been in since 2017, where there is no net neutrality principle in place um it's even more complex than that because of course the president's office has the power to write executive orders that don't have quite as much power as what a federal agency like the fcc has and biden's been trying to do that while he's been waiting for Gigi son to be added as a commissioner to the fcc so everything is just in a big state of like imagine like a, a big cloud of question marks surrounding everybody's minds right the isps don't want to violate net neutrality because the law might change but they also don't want to um, limit their power to make money so everybody is kind of just kind of like tiptoeing around because nobody knows Mm -hmm. how this is going to go or what the future holds in store so as to your question about ads and preferential treatments the short version is (laughs) that most of the major isps in the us most of the major internet companies belong to these large corporations that also own things like software companies and movie studios and television networks and stuff like that. And so Comcast, for instance, also owns NBC. And there's nothing stopping Comcast from uh, making NBC content appear faster on your computer Mm -hmm. and charging other companies uh, who who have rival uh, video uh, offerings an extra fee to uh, to put their content into the fast lane on their network, it's unclear because these are private relationships between corporations. It's unclear how much that's happening and how much that's just being threatened at this point in time. There's nobody who has like a you know a a, a five hundred foot view who can actually look down on the whole internet and say mm-hmm. oh it's happening here and it's not happening there. But what we do know is that along with rolling back net neutrality back in 2017, the federal government also uh, made it uh, legal for ISPs to look at your traffic and to sell information about what you're doing on the internet to advertisers. So you might've noticed that the amount of targeted ads that you're getting uh, has increased a lot over the past five years. Like you might oh, go yeah. to Amazon and look at a pair of shoes. And then when you log on to Facebook, you get an ad for that same pair of shoes.
0: If I get one more advertisement for hiking boots, I swear, I already own them. Stop at uh, exactly. stop advertising to me. Yes, <laughs> Sorry, continue. They're not
1: too bright, you know. No. They, like, they, they know a lot about you, but they don't know what I to do. I bought them about already.
0: My my goodness. Okay, so they, so they can sell that information to advertisers. You were saying.
1: Yes. Yeah, so every time you log onto the internet, if you're not protecting your traffic by using a VPN or some other form of encryption. Uh, the your ISP is looking at every single website that you go to, and they're putting all that information into a giant profile they have of you in a database somewhere. And then every time somebody wants to advertise on, a, on, a, on an app or a website, um, they can buy that information, that profile of you, and they can target to you based on that.
0: Mm. So then what are, what are some instances of service providers interfering with the internet or the traffic that you – I mean, I guess something that's not in terms of ads.
1: Yeah. So there was a there was a famous incident where there was uh, one of these horrible uh, fires, uh, wildfires out in California. And the firefighters uh, ended up having their Internet traffic uh, throttled by the ISP because they weren't paying for the fast lane. (sighs) Um, And so, you know, property was damaged. Maybe people died. I don't I don't. I can't particularly attest to the details at the moment, but this was like a big dust up over that Um, there have been situations where um, Internet service providers um, blocked. um, Major nonprofits from uh, from connecting with their customers because they didn't agree with the politics of those nonprofits. Um, I'm trying not to name names here because it's it's bigger than what any individual company has done. Right. Um, There are certainly uh, plenty of cases where uh, where Internet service providers have have um, put their their own video content in the fast lane and have not extended the same uh, courtesy to other video content providers unless they paid extra money, which is, of course, very anti-competitive. So there are all kinds of things other than ads. That make it harder for for uh, for for nonprofits to connect with customers, for businesses to serve customers, for consumers to get access to content, and most crucially for um, for for emergency workers to to be able to effectively do their jobs. And uh, all of that can be traced back to net neutrality or the absence of net neutrality.
0: Right. So then um, let's say when it comes to news, for instance, if I Google a question or I Google something that happened in the news, could that Internet provider then lead you to its preferred news source before all the other ones?
1: Well, the the key word there is before. Right. Let's say this is totally hypothetical. um, But let's say that there was an Internet there. There was an Internet service provider that uh, that either owned Uh, A radio network like yours or was politically in favor of a radio network like yours, Mm -hmm. they could very easily and probably in some cases are uh, giving consumers the ability to stream yours very quickly so that when somebody presses a button they hear it uh, and slowing down. Another news radio station that maybe they don't own or don't agree with, and when somebody presses a button, they get a pinwheel for like 15 seconds before they hear the audio. Like that kind of thing is happening. It's happening a lot, but like I said, it's very difficult to document um, because there's no kind of. Uh, independent place outside the internet where you can just kind of look and see all these things happening. So most of the data is anecdotal. It's people, you know, pressing a button for one radio station and hearing it instantly and pressing it another and not hearing it instantly. Um, and there are various research projects that try to um, measure the difference between the speed with which people can access different apps and websites uh, from different ISPs.
0: All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. It leads, obviously, to a larger conversation, but it has to do with speed. It has to do with what um, what order things pop up. So, like, let's say um, I'm I'm also Googling something. Let's say we're we're in a situation where there is net neutrality. How is it decided what order I see things in if it all goes up there at the same time?
1: So the, the the brilliance of the internet is that it has this. It all runs on this protocol called packet switching, TCP/IP. If you want to get super geeky about it, mm-hmm. and basically it was modeled after the way that uh, model train that that trains uh, were organized. You know when they when. Um, During the 19th century, when they built all the giant railroad networks, they had to figure out, like, if I have a train coming from Baltimore and a train coming from Philadelphia, which way do I switch the tracks to make sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible? Because it's always going to be a trade-off that if you speed up the the Philadelphia train, you have to slow down the Baltimore train and vice versa. Um, So there are basically these mathematical algorithms that uh, ISPs and other networks use to make sure that the overall network moves as quickly as possible. And that's called uh, sometimes quality of service or network management. And the nice thing about net neutrality is it doesn't stop ISPs from doing that. So they're allowed to look at, um, at the various forms of traffic and say, oh, well, that big block looks like a movie. Let's not cut it up into pieces so that somebody can get the whole movie at once. On the other hand, these little blocks look like emails, we can move some of them now and some of them later without slowing down any individual person's email, Mm. right? I mean, this is a super simplified version of it, but that's basically how it works. Um, So even with net neutrality, ISPs have the power to, uh, to make sure that their networks run as smoothly and as quickly and as reliably as possible. They're just not allowed to kind of pick and choose winners and losers within like, you know, this email provider versus that email provider or this video provider versus that video provider.
0: Got it. That makes sense. So then what what happens when it comes to, uh, you mentioned, okay, so these ISPs are private companies. That's part of the argument. Social media platforms are also private companies and they also are on the internet. So does it work in the same way? Because, you know, obviously this is a kind of a different discussion, but when it comes to censoring and being able to choose, you know, who you take down, who you don't, does that have to do with net neutrality also?
1: That's a great question. And th- there's two ways to answer it. Uh, the short answer is that it has to do with net neutrality when those big companies also own internet um, infrastructure like networks. So a company like Amazon or uh, Facebook, not only do they run the store and the social media site that, that we all know and love, they also own massive um, infrastructural types that allow that not only their own services, but that they sell to other services uh, to get people from point A to point B on the internet. Um, and especially Amazon, that's like a huge part of their businesses, what's what's called Amazon Web Services. Um, so depending on how the FCC interprets the net neutrality principle, that could certainly apply to those kinds of companies like Facebook and, and Amazon. Uh, and it should, because, you know, let's let's be honest, like Amazon already gets like three quarters of the money that I spend on anything <laughs> other than my mortgage and my car. Um, like, <laughs> do I really want it to go from that to 90%? No, like I want there to be competition out there. I'd like to be able to, to reach other stores as easily as I reach Amazon. Um, but um, the the more complicated and interesting answer to that question is that net neutrality is just one piece of a larger set of, regulatory issues that are called internet governance and that spreads out into stuff that you may have uh, covered in in uh, other episodes of the show like section 230 of the Communications Decency Act which basically says what you were talking about that um, you know that uh, that platforms like like Facebook can't be held accountable uh, for the actions of their users that they basically can 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 step back and say like you know, we're not in charge of what people say and do on our platforms unless they're breaking the law or something. Um, so it, it's not there's no kind of clear dividing line between where net neutrality begins and other uh, Internet governance issues ends. And all of them can be used for purposes of censorship or anti-competitive business practices. Um, or they can just be used in a in a you know, kind of less nefarious way to try to increase the profit at the at the software company or the network.
0: Mm. You know, you bring up a a valid point um, when it comes to these other Internet governance types um, that we can kind of keep the Internet in check or or social media companies in check. What so now that we don't have net neutrality, um, what can be done to maintain or what has been done to maintain a free and open Internet if things are controlled by the ISPs?
1: That's a great question. Like I said, there are some uh, some things that have been done at the policy level, like President Biden's uh, executive order uh, that basically said uh, net neutrality should be a priority, and he's asking the FCC to to officially make it one. Um, there, I think for us as consumers, as, as everyday internet users, the most important thing that we can do is to do what I mentioned briefly before, which is use a VPN, a virtual private network, Or other forms of encryption so that the ISP, even if they look at your internet traffic, they can't tell who's sending it, who's receiving it, or what it contains. You're basically forcing them by using software as a kind of cloud around your traffic to treat it equally with other traffic because they can't tell it apart. Um, I think, you know. uh, all of your listeners, all you have to do is is look up on, you know, the search engine of your choice, like free VPN. There's a bunch of services out there. Um, but, you know, buyer beware. Uh, if you actually spring for one, if you pay $5 a month for a VPN, you're going to get much more security and faster speeds than the free ones. Um, but it's really important because what it does is it not only does it kind of force the networks to treat your content, uh, with your traffic, with net neutrality, whether they want to or not, it also prevents them from spying on your traffic and, and reporting that back to advertisers uh, so that they can target you forever with those ads for the boots you already bought.
0: Ah, I see. So if you use a VPN, you can kind of it's it's a tool for consumers to use when there is no net neutrality so that they can protect their information.
1: That's absolutely right. It's a way of um, making your uh, Internet traffic uninteresting to ISPs. <laughs> they they can't they can't figure out uh, who's sending it or who's receiving it or what it contains. So they, they just treat it like uh, like a like a neutral piece of data.
0: Right. So where do we go from here then? I mean, what what do you think? I mean, obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you think is going to happen as we move forward? With with life and as technology evolves even further than it has,
1: well, the general trend right now is that the internet business, which used to be you know a home to thousands of startups, some of them great, some of them awful, most of them mediocre, um, has really consolidated into the hands of a, a very few companies. Companies like Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook not only control. A huge ton of the internet traffic the majority of the traffic but they control other things as well like content and like infrastructure and so you know i don't think society really benefits when a tiny handful of companies control so much of what we say and do on an ongoing basis because now of course we're using the internet for school we're using it for telehealth, we're using it for our jobs, we're using it for banking. Uh, There's virtually no aspect of our lives where the internet doesn't play a major role. So it's really important that we have a level playing field online, uh, because otherwise, our society can't be a level playing field. So I think the most important thing in the future will be um, for Congress to create some clearer laws. Uh, Like I said, part of the reason that the FCC has had such a hard time maintaining the net neutrality principle is because it's all based on a 1996 law that was written before anybody even had broadband internet access. Um, so there needs to be an update to the laws that make it very clear that net neutrality is, uh, is an essential principle. Um, and you know, I think it, there's, there's been some talk from both Republican and Democratic uh, um, uh, executives that, uh, that there should be some antitrust legislation uh, that, should, um, that should break up uh, some of the bigger tech companies into smaller bits and pieces so that there's more competition out there. And I think that would benefit us as well, and lower the risks associated with not having net neutrality.
0: We'll be right back after this. You know, I I thought of a question when you mentioned, you know, we use the Internet for so many things. We use it for school, especially with COVID-19 and the pandemic. People were, you know, using it more at home, things like that. So um, with net neutrality, uh, does that mean that, you know, obviously there are a lot of nefarious things that can be found on the Internet? Is there any regulation for those types of things? So,
1: net neutrality does not allow ISPs to identify wrongdoers and you know block them, uh, but it certainly doesn't stop law enforcement from identifying wrongdoers and blocking them and and that's law enforcement's job, not the ISPs job right you wouldn't ask a company that made pens and uh, pencils and, and, and paper to stop. Um, you know uh, blackmailers from writing blackmail notes on their paper, right? I mean, that that's certainly illegal behavior and we wanna stop it, but it's not appropriate to ask the, the company that makes the pens and pencils to, to be the ones to do it. Um, so enforcing that neutrality and making sure that everyone's on an even playing field is not the same thing as saying that criminals are gonna have uh you know be able to run rampant on the internet and that they'll have it as easy a time reaching you as a legitimate website like facebook or or amazon uh the fbi shuts down hundreds and hundreds of websites every year for selling counterfeit goods uh for engaging in criminal practices for for spreading uh dangerous uh disinformation and so on and so forth and none of that has anything to do with net neutrality
0: You answered my question. And and that's good news. That's good news to know that we can still be safe and our kids can be safe using the internet because that's obviously incredibly important. So just as we wrap things up here, just as a normal person, I'm logging onto the internet. What is the most crucial thing that I should know or that someone else should know about net neutrality, in your opinion?
1: The most important thing to realize is that um, our experience of the internet is highly curated. Um, What we see when we open our browsers, um, the the websites that work well for us, the apps that work well for us, all of those are based on decisions being made uh, in corporate head offices that are not being communicated to us. And and different people experience the internet in different ways, not only based on where they are, but also based on what ISP they're using, what software they're using, uh, what services they're paying for and not paying for. Um, how valuable their marketing information is, and and a ton of other issues. So what we have to understand is that the internet is already not a level enough playing field, um, and that those of us who are lucky enough to have been able to go to school and and work using Zoom during the pandemic, uh, you know, we we had it good, and a lot of people had a really hard time doing that. And one of the best ways that we can even that playing field and make American society more just and equitable so that everybody has a fair shot is by ensuring that ISPs follow the net neutrality principle.
0: All right. Thank you so much, doctor. I appreciate you coming on a lot of insightful information and and thank you for sharing with us today.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about net neutrality. Number 1. Net neutrality has to do with the power internet service providers or ISPs have. It basically means that the ISP shouldn't be able to look at the traffic it's receiving and get to decide what goes slowly and what goes quickly and what gets more attention than others. Number 2. Right now, the ISPs have the power to do just that although it's difficult to analyze the data that shows the extent to which ISPs are putting certain things in the quote-unquote slow or fast lanes. ISPs also can look at the internet traffic they receive and sell that information to advertisers. That's part of the reason why you can Google something and then see it on the next page you're on as an advertisement. And number three, Dr. Sinreich says that different people experience the internet in different ways. How much they're paying and what ISP they're using are part of the reasons why they experience the internet in different ways. So while the basic definition of net neutrality is simple, the reach it has is a complex issue with a lot of influence. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on net neutrality. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.